0: Good evening and welcome to e-bible fellowships Bible study in the book of Revelation tonight is Revelation chapter 3 study number 14 And we'll be reading from verse 5 to begin with And it says there he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels and we we're discussing this in our last study. And i just like to quickly go over two of the verses we looked at. Uh, the first one is in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10 and verses 32 and 33. It says, "...whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven, but whosoever shall deny me before men." Him why also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. And also in Luke chapter 12, we have a similar verse, yet it's different because it doesn't say before the Father. It says there in Luke 12, verse 8 and 9, Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So we we have uh, in Matthew the statement that if an individual would confess Christ before men, then Jesus would confess him before his father. And likewise, if he was denied before men, he would deny him before his father. Yet in Luke's gospel, it's stated very similarly, except... Uh, Jesus is saying whoever confesses him before men, he will confess before the angels of God. And any denying him before men, Jesus will deny before the angels of God. Now our verse in Revelation 3, 5 brings both of those statements together. And, and here at the end of verse 5, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now, this is referring to a person that has overcome and that can only be accomplished, again, in Christ himself. Someone clothed in white raiment, someone whose name will not be blotted out of the book of life. In other words, an elect child of God. And that person certainly will have Christ confessing His name before his father and before his angels, God's angels. And that's the interesting thing that um, it's before the father and his angels. Now, the word angels we know can can also properly be understood to to mean messengers. And it's the context that determines normally whether God is referring to angelic beings called angels or to men, believers who are messengers of the gospel. And we find in the context of Judgment Day in Revelation chapter 14, these things said in verse 10. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. Now, of course, Jesus is the lamb of God. And and it doesn't say in the presence of the father, as the other verses we were looking at that, christ would deny them in the presence of his father or deny them in the presence of the angels yet we have to keep in mind that jesus said i and the father are one and we cannot separate the the godhead we cannot separate the persons there are three persons yet one god and and so we can definitely understand that revelation fourteen ten is describing judgment day and that the lord jesus has denied these people who are under the wrath of god they uh they did not confess him before men that is they did not live their life for the sake of christ for the word of god uh, they were never born again they they never had god Move in them to will and do so, and and so they went the way of the world. They followed the the wisdom and the philosophy or the religion. They they followed their own mind. Whatever they followed, it wasn't the way that is the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord Jesus, and as a result, judgment day comes, and they are being punished. They must drink the cup of the wrath of God. And now that cup, that cup is the cup that Jesus drank of, as we read in the Garden of Gethsemane, that, that he went to pray that the cup might pass from him. And, of course, it uh, means that the cup of the wrath of God that Jesus was drinking was spiritual in nature. There was no outward visible evidence of the wrath of God. It was a spiritual punishment that he was bearing. But we always have to recognize and and keep in mind and remember that Jesus made payment for sin from the foundation of the world. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was demonstrating what he had already finished, but he was still suffering a second time and he was being punished a second time. The wrath of God was surely poured out upon him. Although he was not making payment because there were no sins to pay for that the, the payment was already uh, completed when he, he offered up himself once for sins. Now the second time was to make manifest and to reveal what he had done. Well, that that's the cup and it's the same cup of the wrath of God that was given to the churches and congregations to drink. When judgment began at the house of God, and again that cup was completely spiritual in nature. Yes, the Bible says not one stone was will be left upon another, but there was no physical destruction of the church and its buildings. It it, it was a spiritual destruction, as God made them desolate by the removal of his Holy Spirit and he certainly destroyed them spiritually, and, and they came under his wrath. That is the two instances where we may learn of the, the true nature of the cup of the wrath of God, that it is, it is judgment, it's a very real judgment, a horrible judgment, but a spiritual judgment. And likewise, on the day of judgment for the world. Jeremiah 25 points this out very carefully that the world takes the cup that was first given to the city called by God's name or the people of God found in the local congregations and the world drinks out of the same cup. Now that cup was spiritual to begin with when given to the Inhabitants of the churches and, and it did not change its character at all when the transition came. And now it became time for the judgment to expand and include the whole world, all of the unsaved. They must drink now from the cup of the wrath of God. And that process got underway. When Judgment Day began for the world on May 21 of 2011, and it is occurring in the presence of God, the presence of the Lamb, and in the presence of the Holy Angels, or the Holy Messengers. That is, the true believers are still living in the world. They're, they're still on the earth in the Day of Judgment, witnessing and and testifying and declaring the word of God is judging the people of the earth. And this is fulfilling these verses that speaks of Christ denying those that denied him. And this denial of them will take place in the presence of the Father, in the presence of the angels, the messengers of the gospel, the people of God. You know, here we read of Christ and his angels. But what does Jude say concerning that day of judgment? It says in Jude, which is one chapter book. So we'll just go to verse 14 of Jude. And it says, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Notice it does not say ten thousands of his angels, but his saints. And the saints can only refer to the elect, the children of God, made holy by the blood of Christ that has washed and cleansed them from all iniquity. And this word saints, if you would care to look it up, you'll find repeatedly points to true believers. It does not apply to angelic beings at all. And here Christ is coming with ten thousands of his saints to do what? Well, verse 15 tells us to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him to execute judgment and judgment is um, being executed now and it's being executed by the word of God as the word of God proclaimed judgment would begin as God opened up that information. He gave advance warning of the coming day of judgment on that date, May 21, 2011, And the word of God confirmed it, locked it in. God saw fit to move in his people in a way never seen before, in order that the whole world hear the message of Judgment Day on that date. And they did hear it, and God used it to save all of his elect people in the world, and He, he used it to notify the earth. This will be the day of judgment, the day when the door shuts and I begin to execute judgment. Now, since that day, we have learned many things from the Bible, which confirms that yes, it was the day of judgment. And we have learned the nature of the judgment is spiritual. It is the closing of the door of heaven. And of course, you cannot look up into the sky and see that door. It's always been a door that that operated in the spiritual realm. When it was open, we couldn't see it. Now that it's shut, we cannot see that. And the the spiritual judgment is the darkening of the gospel. As far as salvation for this world, there is no more light shining into the earth to, to save sinners and, and so on. It's, it's all spiritual. Nothing outwardly happened that uh, is visible, observable, and where people's senses can detect that God's wrath is now upon them in a final way. And, and uh, people cannot see this judgment. And yet it is upon them. The word of God is executing it as more and more scripture comes to light and uh, confirms the condemnation of God upon this world. Well, this is what um, Revelation 14.10 is describing. And it's all done in the presence of the holy angels because the true believers are still upon the earth. Well, uh, let's go back to Revelation and we're going to move on to verse six of Revelation chapter three, which says he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. And once again, we're seeing the same verse, which follows each of the addresses to the seven churches. And I think this is about our fifth time coming across it. And we we have to remember, because God is saying it again, therefore it is important that these things are teaching us spiritual truths. There is hidden truth here, or parabolic truth, in the addresses to the churches. And one of those truths is that each of the churches, we we just completed reading about Sardis, is picturing and representing all churches throughout the church age everything god said to each of these churches had application to all the churches throughout the entire church age and so um, it, it's good for us to remember that once again let us keep our ears open for what god is saying here and even in that statement there is hidden meaning God is not talking about our physical ears, not at all, but of our spiritual ears. And this is the problem with mankind. Most people have physical ears, and yet none are born with spiritual ears unless God has saved them in the womb. It takes salvation. It takes Christ to touch us with new life to give us new ears to hear and eyes to see spiritually and so we must be born again in order to hear the things that Jesus is saying here to his people it, it doesn't matter how uh intelligent we are how knowledgeable of the bible we might be it doesn't matter if we have a theological education it, it doesn't matter how long We've been studying the scriptures. If we lack the spiritual ear, and, and remember, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes, how? By the word of God. It, the word of God must spark life in us and give us an ear to hear. If we lack that, nothing else matters. We will not come to truth and we will not understand, ultimately, the Bible. We will uh, be led astray. We will uh, we will go off course. We can be certain of that. Well, uh, let's move on to verse 7 of Revelation chapter 3. And here it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Well, let's take this bit by bit, and let's begin with the first statement of verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write. Now, this is the familiar greeting, the familiar opening statement of the addresses to the churches and Philadelphia is the sixth church that we've now read about, and God uses the same um, format to address each of the churches to the angel or the messenger of the church in Philadelphia. He is writing to the elect who are messengers of the gospel, and they are to carry the message to all those in the churches. And this church is in philadelphia in asia minor now the word philadelphia is an interesting word it um it's strong's number 5359 but it's from 5361 which could be translated as love as brethren 5361 is translated that way love as brethren and uh, there's also another Strong's word, 5360, that is very similar in spelling, translated as brotherly love. And you've probably heard um, that is the meaning of the word Philadelphia because we have a city that used to be the capital of the United States or of America in, in the beginning of the history of this country, and it is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And the uh, city's name means brotherly love. And we're familiar with that. I, I know I'm familiar with that city. I was born in Philadelphia. And so uh, this word is is very familiar to me. And we can understand it to mean brotherly love, which is, it, it's a good name. And uh, it is what each of us is commanded to do, to love our neighbor, to love our brother, to love uh, all those around us. And we do love others when we desire the best for them, when we want to share truth with them. We want them to hear the Bible. That is the great love that that God has given for his people uh, to share with others. And we, we do this because we care about them, we're concerned about them, and we love them. You know, by the way, the outpouring of the gospel in the days leading up to Judgment Day on May 21 was nothing but an expression of tremendous love from those that were involved in it for the most part of course some people had other uh, motivations and reasons but as far as God's people were concerned the elect it was an expression of uh, just pouring out of love for their fellow man of brotherly love we loved our families and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and strangers on the street we love them so much that we were willing to so identify with this message which we know is very uh unappealing unattractive it, it's a message that the world doesn't want to hear that we we also realized it would bring ridicule and and reviling and scorn and mocking you know, true believers aren't stupid. We, we know this world. Uh, many of us have lived in the world. We've had the mindset of the world. We've been involved in the drinking and the drugs and, and all the evil things the world is involved with. We're familiar with the world's ideas and, and how it looks upon the gospel. Maybe even some of us have looked upon others. In times past, that very same way, we were very familiar with the world's, um, ways and, and how they operate. And we fully understood that, uh, identifying ourselves with this message would bring negative, uh, response from, from these same people. And yet, why did we do it? Did we do it just to Uh, bring attention to ourselves no it was sincerely earnestly uh, from a desire to warn them before the sword of god fell before judgment came the the plea of god through his people that's how we know it can be sincere because god works in his people to to accomplish his his purpose and 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 to do his will is an earnest cry to them, as it says in Second Corinthians 5, in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And because it was God moving in his elect... And stirring them up to carry forth this message, we can know that, that it had earnest and true and right motivation to uh, express love for our fellow man. Oh, we, we were weeping. We were mournful for our family members and afraid for others around us that they might not hearken to God. They might not take warning and, and that prompted us to be all the bolder so that they would see and consider and perhaps God might provoke a response in them to go to him before the day came and and we knew that that was it this was all the time left for mankind to experience salvation because God was about to close the door and that was correct we were properly understanding what the scriptures were saying in that area and and this was done out of brotherly love and love for our fellow man and you know the bible says the more uh that that a child of god loves the less he be loved and i i i think it's um the apostle paul who's moved to make that kind of statement Uh, well i know it's in the bible uh, I can't remember exactly where it is, but it most certainly is true. The more we love, the more we shine uh with the light of Christ to others, which is the truest expression of love, the less we are appreciated, and the more we certainly could be despised, the less we be loved. But... We're, we're not seeking the world's love. We are only doing that because this, uh, was God's will for us. And we also wanted to love him as Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And his commandment was to warn the world. When you see the sword come, that's what God says to the watchman and the sword is um, it's a reference to the word of God, to Christ, to the Bible. When you see the sword come, when you read in the scriptures that judgment is coming, then sound the trumpet and warn the people. And, and so we saw the sword come. We were convinced this is absolute truth. And therefore there was no choice but to warn the people out of love for Christ to keep his commandment in that way and out of love for all around us.